As a pediatrician and medical cannabis certifying physician, I am often asked lots of questions about medical cannabis that other doctors probably are never asked. So let's talk about it. Hey everybody, it's Dr. David. How you doing? Um, I get asked questions not for, from patients, but also from journals, journalists on questions relative to medical cannabis. And recently I was asked a series of questions from more of a trade journal, not a medical um, journal relative, a journalist relative to medical cannabis. But um, this, 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 uh, this group has sought me out before because of my medical advice. Um, and so they know that although um, questions that will come up and they'll even use words like weed um, that I don't use because um, I medical marijuana is is what it is. And, and I prefer to use that term in cannabis, but I, I don't really like to use the word weed when I'm talking about something that's a medical perspective. But obviously the products themselves are usually the same, of course, with the safety aspect when people get it from medical cannabis dispensaries. Um, so I felt that I can certainly provide my medical um, feedback to these questions. Okay. Now, one of the questions, and I'll just kind of give you the series of questions that I was asked that I answered this past week. But one of the questions that was asked is, why does my poop smell like cannabis? Okay. Now, I have to say that in seven years of being a medical cannabis certifying physician, I've never heard anybody say this before. But I looked it up, and there are some people who are reporting it. I don't know if this reporter was getting a lot of questions or maybe was asking due to firsthand experience. I don't know. But obviously, I'm asked a question. I want to try to answer, answer it with uh, physiology and my understanding of even herbal pharmacology. So um, as far as is concerned, again, I, I don't at all see how that would be if a person were to be inhaling it, whether they were choosing to smoke it, as you probably know, uh, may have heard me say before, I'm not one who advocates burning anything into their lungs, but there are other ways, of course, of inhaling it. And I've certainly never heard about it through topical sources as well, okay? But uh, if a person is consuming cannabis, okay, especially if it is made from the grounded flower, the grounded buds of the, of the medical marijuana, um, certainly fibrous material can pass on through to the other side because fiber is obviously not absorbed. So if there was a lot of um, more not so um, very gra um, finely grounded version, so there was more, um, more fibrous substances in there that were bigger that wouldn't necessarily be broken down as much, that could certainly pass along to the stool. Now, in addition to that, you know, other herbs like garlic, there are aromatic compounds that certainly can pass through. So again, if a person was doing something that um, maybe it was high in terpenes that was bringing off a particular cannabis smell or taste, you know, those passing through, just like if a, if a person were to eat a lot of garlic, it is definitely possible to have your poop smell like, like uh, garlic. So I would think that there's a possibility that it could happen in the same way, depending on how somebody's consuming it. You know, perhaps if somebody was juicing it, which as you may know, if a person juices the raw flour, it's actually not even intoxicating. And a lot of cancer patients will use this and other people um, for their children who want to get the benefits without the intoxicating effects. So I would assume that if a lot was in a smoothie um, or, in, or being juiced, then that would be another way of getting a lot of that plant-like material and the odors that go with it to go along with it. But as I said, I've never had anybody complain about this in my medical practice. Okay, and in a related question, does medical cannabis make you poop? Okay, now from everything that I've seen, and I guess there's a chance again um, with anything, but if anything, can't medical cannabis 
usually causes patients to have a slowing down of their bowels. That's one of the reasons, besides the anti-inflammatory effects, why it can help people with Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis and other types of things that can cause fast passage. It slows down the passage through the gut. And in fact, I've heard, seen more people who, especially oral, get, get constipated than ever have um, it causing um, an increase in pooping. Okay. Now, again, that would be more likely to have an effect if somebody was swallowing it and more of a direct impact to the intestines itself than if they were choosing to inhale it. Um, now, I have had some patients who have gotten looser stool, more frequent stool, not because, necessarily because of the cannabis itself. But as you may know, there are very different concentrations, okay? You could see a dropper full that has five milliliter, uh, milligrams and other ones that may have um, 25 or 50 milligrams or more. So if a person is trying to get a larger dose of THC, for their medical purposes, and they're doing a lot of oil with it, then obviously you can drink a lot, of, you know, a fair amount of olive oil, and that will cause stool softening as well. So fish oil as well. So could it be that it's the oil itself, the preparation, and not necessarily the active ingredients that the cannabinoids that are causing that problem? I, I guess it could be. Um, now I have also seen digestive issues happen from edibles. Okay, because edibles, whether it's gummies and some people may react to what's in there or baked goods um, that they, of course, baked goods, maybe if it has gluten, someone has a gluten sensitivity, that could be a problem as well. But uh, yeah, I haven't really had it, but anybody, my patients tell me yet it, the uh, poop in frequency has got up. Okay. Now, another thing, so I guess we're kind of really focusing on the GI tract today, but um, are all cannabis products appetite stimulants? Okay. Now, of course, and one of the things that I um, talk to my medical cannabis patients on, especially if they don't have past use, is it can certainly be an appetite stimulant. You know, some people will talk about the munchies or the, the night grazings or the types of things. And certainly um, that could be a problem if a person has other weight issues. That could be a godsend for um, cancer patients who, um, especially if they're on chemo or just overall, they have these wasting syndromes. They can't keep food down. They have no appetite. Their, their tummies are upset. You know, in those cases, then cannabis can have a really positive effect on their ability to keep weight on and to eat more food, hopefully nutritious food. But uh, but again, it can have that effect. But it's also there are products as well as cultivars. Now, a lot of people use the term strains when it comes to cannabis, you know, um, Maui, Wowie, uh, Northern Lights, whatever. The. The term is not strain. Okay, it's actually strains are how you describe different bacteria. Cultivars are actually what these different things are called, but some people call it strains. So I try to correct, you know, to use the proper scientific terminology there as cultivars. But um, there are certain cultivars, certain products that are higher in a cannabinoid called THCV. So if there's a company who's doing the right thing and is doing a third-party independent certificate of analysis that it shows all of the different cannabinoids, terpenes, um, toxins like um, pesticides, molds, um, heavy metals, etc., it will take the breakdown that should be available to the consumer or to the patient should be able to say if it what the cannabinoids are, including THCV. And THCV is it's it's a it's an, a suppressant of the appetite. So you can potentially find different products that are higher in THCV that doesn't have the appetite stimulation. As an aside, CBD, um, which of course is another cannabinoid that has lots of medical benefits and health benefits, but no intoxicating effects, that's not felt to cause an increase in appetite. Okay. Um, 
Now, okay, now we get to leave the uh, GI world here now. What are the repercussions of smoking medical cannabis after a tonsillectomy? Okay, now I first want to say that cannabis can be a really, really helpful way of controlling pain. Um, and of course, if a person has surgery, whether it's a tonsillectomy or, or anywhere, um, there's pain involved. If you've been cut, there's pain, you know, obviously pain medicines are used, uh, opiates are very commonly used after, um, surgeries. And of course, um, you know, there's the potential for abuse and overuse of opiates that's so well documented and people can get hooked on it. And in my opinion, from a medical perspective, if cannabis um, helps with the pain, I think it's a much safer option than using opioids. Okay, but um, it's also should be understood that heat can interfere with the healing in the oral cavity. Okay, so smoking it like smoking a joint or a pipe might not be the most helpful way. Okay, use of a water pipe or what some people referred to as a bong um, has the water itself has a cooling effect on the smoke. Some people will even put ice into there to even cool things down further. So the thermal effects on the back of the throat won't necessarily be there okay um also if a person were to use a vape pen you know of course medical dispensaries have plenty of those and especially if you can set it to a different um temperature setting or for that matter if a person was doing dry um herb vaping for medical cannabis um lower temperatures can be set and so um, while it may take more to get the same milligram dose um, that's therapeutic the um, lower temperatures may not be as irritating on the throat as well. Okay. Now, of course, another thing, not just the temperature, but depending on the product itself that's being inhaled, there are, of course, some products that can be rather harsh on the throat. Okay. We know people can, you know, certain, um, you know, um, products can make a person cough a lot. So anything that's harsh on the throat, if it's causing irritation or causing coughing, which again, you know, it affects the throat, right? Um, and so anything that's irritating the throat, therefore the tonsil area, because that's right next, right on top of that, then that could actually make healing um, worse and could, um, of course, you don't want to be coughing, potentially um, irritating or even causing uh, increased pressure, cause bleeding, etc. Um, so again, there are other ways of using medical cannabis in order to um, handle the pain. Okay. Now, also, what about other types of surgeries? Okay. Now, one thing that we know is if, you know, it's one thing if you're using local anesthetic or IV, but when a person's doing inhaled and they're working with an anesthesiologist, you know, there's effects that are on the lungs just from going through surgery. You know, we, after surgery, um, depending on how long a person's been under for, they, we may use an inspirometer that um, it's that device that has a little tube on the end with the little balls that go up. So as you inhale, the balls go up and you try to hit a certain amount of volume because that opens up the lungs. That pops the lungs open, keeps the lungs really good. So if a person doesn't have adequate lung volume expansion, then again, bringing smoke into the lungs, that may not be the most opportune um, or helpful way, optimal way of using cannabis. And of course, there are other ways such as drops and tinctures and topicals and patches um, um, that people can um, get it into their bodies to get the healing properties the anti-inflammatory properties, the anti-pain properties, without having the actual um, potential for any kind of lung issues. All right, well, you know, a bunch of questions that um, never been asked before, so now you hear about it. All right, have a nice day.